Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer on this Tuesday morning, August 3rd. So glad to have you along as we've been talking about origins, worldview, things that matter in terms of defending our faith. Question, what do uh, Christians do when they can't answer a scientific question? Well, according to the skeptics, we just turn right to God and we say God did it without any further inquiry. This is called the God of the Gaps. Second question, what do skeptics do when the obvious answer points to God? Answer, they look elsewhere. And so I'd like to talk about this concept, the God of the gaps, the idea that skeptics say of us that when we can't explain something, we just said, well, God did it. And this might refer to all kinds of things. It might refer to the resurrection. They're convinced that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, so no matter what evidence you present to them, there's another answer somewhere. They just haven't found it yet. It, it relates, they talk about the Red Sea. Well, it wasn't really God divided the sea. It was just kind of like a sea of reeds, more of a swampy area that those people passed through. And the, somehow the Israelites were able to get through it, but the whole Egyptian army drowned in that swamp. And then they might even refer to it like a personal miracle. I know we we had that. Roz was ill a number of years ago, and uh, her doctor really had no answer. And she was in the hospital for a period of time. And finally, the doctor sent her home saying he could do nothing more to help her. And several months later, he was talking to a friend of ours, another doctor, and asked how Roz had done. And he and had healed, heard that Roz was fine and healed. He couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Our friend said God healed her. Didn't believe that either. Convinced something else must have gone on because there is no God who heals people. This is the way a skeptic goes. No matter what evidence they present, if the obvious answer leads to God, they refuse to accept it. Why? Because they refuse to go where that goes. They refuse to accept. If they accept that God did it, that has moral ramifications upon their life. That has implications about how to live their life, what they need to believe, what they need to do, how they need to change. Now, this is nowhere, this God of the gaps is nowhere more evident than when it comes to origins and discussions of how we got here. Because skeptics will often claim that the field of science, that's their turf. That's their domain. They don't like it when us creationists come on their turf. They don't like it when those of us who believe that science is really the search for truth and God is right smack dab in the center of truth, they don't like us infringing upon their turf. Rather, they say that science is only the study of the material universe, and they have, by definition, excluded God and said any reference to God is unscientific. Well, why? because they've redefined the word science. To them, science refers to the material world. We understand science as referring to the search for truth, the search for answers. And God is right in the middle of those answers. And so they would consider us unscientific, and they call it the God of the gaps, that, that you, this is proven scientifically, and that's proven scientifically, but what's in the middle, and they don't have the answer yet, when the answer is obviously God, they say, nope, we don't go there. That's unscientific. We keep looking. 
we keep searching. Someday we'll find how to answer all these questions without needing God. Now, they use as reason for this, they talk about how back in Greek mythology, way back long ago, when you heard thunder, people thought the gods were angry. And they said, see, that's when we used to attribute things to God. Give it enough time, we figured out the cause of thunder. We figured out what causes lightning. Science had the answer. And given enough time, all these modern-day questions that we have will also be shown science will have the answer without needing to refer to God. But there's a big, big, big difference between explaining thunder and lightning and explaining what we're about to talk about here, and that's origins. Question. If, when, we talk, or, when we talk about origins and we talk about the need to go to God, we, we make arguments, the cosmological arguments goes like this. Are you ready? This is important, and I would encourage you to be able to recite this, practice this. It's a simple deductive reasoning statements. You ready? Here it goes like this. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. You could say that about life as well. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. Life began to exist. Therefore, life has a cause. You could say that about everything. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. You and I began to exist. We had a cause. We were, we were conceived. A building begins to exist. It has a cause. An architect, a builder. A book begins to exist. It has a cause. An author. A watch begins to exist. It has a cause. The watchmaker. A car begins to exist. It has a cause. The automaker, the car maker, the factory. My glasses began to exist. It has a cause. The optometrist and the person who actually um, manufactured the, the lenses and the frame. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. But the universe cannot cause itself any more than my glasses could have caused itself, or a car could have caused itself, or a book could have caused itself, or a building could have caused itself. No. All these things, you need a glasses maker, an author, a watchmaker, etc. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe had a cause, but the universe could not cause itself. Rather, So what, what is the universe? It's made up of space, time, and matter. We would argue something other than space, time, and matter must have caused the universe. Something other than space, in other words, something that's infinite. Something other than time, in other words, something that is eternal. Something other than matter, in other words, something that is spiritual. Something that is infinite, eternal, and spiritual must have caused our material universe. Now that, my friends, comes down to the, uh, a pretty good description of the God of the Bible. Eternal, infinite, uh, spiritual, the God of the Bible. Now, all this stuff was recorded in the Bible and said in the Bible long, long, long before philosophers ever figured that out. And so when we, when we think and we reason back to say that the God, that this eternal, infinite, uh, spiritual something or other 
made the universe. That's not a God of the gaps. That's sound reasoning. That's sound thinking. That's sound logic. How about this one? We look at the world and I see, we look at the universe and I, Jew, I see design. Everywhere I look, I see design. We, we know, we know, for instance, when the sun's going to come and the sun's going to go down. We, we know the rotation of the earth. We, the earth is not rotating just randomly. It's following certain laws of physics. We can predict, we can predict seasons and years and eclipses. We can predict an eclipse, you know, way, way in the future, hundreds of years in the future. I don't know, dozens of years. We know that there's a pattern in DNA. There's a pattern in a flower, the petals of a flower. There's pattern, there's design. Everywhere you look, there's design in life. There's, look at the design of our bodies. We have interdependent organs. We have a brain that needs a heart. Can't heart the brain can't function without the heart. The heart can't function without the brain. We've got a um, heart interdependent with the blood system, circulatory system, with blood itself, with lungs, spleen, all these organs that, that go through our body. And as I said, I believe I said last week, do you realize the circulatory system in your body, how incredibly designed it is? You have, my friend, a little baby has at birth. Are you ready? 60,000 miles of blood vessels of a circulatory system going through its body. A baby, 60,000 miles. And all this, we're told, the evolutionist wants us to think, how did that happen? Well, it was all obviously in this code of the DNA, but where'd the DNA come? Where'd the code come to do that? You do realize the code in your body, the code in every cell of your body, every DNA in your body is more complex than, than the operating system that runs our phones, our computers. And so we see this incredible design. It's not random. It's design. It's, it, 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 it's a system, it's a, it's a self-replicating set of information. And wherever we see design, we're led to think there must be a designer. When you see a book, there must be an author. When you see a building, there must be a, uh, if you see a scrap of metal laying by the side of the road, you think, well, that might have gotten there by chance or accident, or maybe even an, a, a, a car accident or something. But if you see a building, you realize someone built it. There was a builder. Wherever there is design, wherever there is, some, there, I, there is a designer. So let's define design for just a moment. We'd say design includes multiple parts that have come together in the right way at the right time in the right order to perform a function. When I say this, think of bicycle. A bicycle has multiple parts. It's come together at the right time. It didn't assemble it 100 years ago and the rest of it today. It comes together at the same time. In the, It's got multiple parts. It's got a wheel, frame, brakes, handlebars, seat. And it's in the right order. The handlebars aren't on the ground and you don't steer with the, with the seat and sit on the wheel, on the tire. No, you've got to have it all organized properly. And when it does, it will perform a function. That's designed. You look at a bicycle, there's not a person in the world thinks it came together by chance. And yet, my friend, 
the things that, that we look at that required an intelligent mind behind them, from a bicycle to a building to a book to a watch to my glasses to a shoestring. That's all around us, everywhere we look. And yet skeptics will want to say that something far more complex, the eye far more well-designed and complex than my glasses, I mean, a million times more complex. My heart, far more complex ticker than is my watch. The circulatory system in your body, far more complex than the interstate system of the United States. The DNA, the operating system of your body, far more complex than anything in, in any computer we have. And yet those those of us who say there must have been a designer of us, there must have been a designer of nature, there must have been a designer of DNA and of the universe, we're mocked, ridiculed, laughed at as being unscientific, non-thinking, willing to go to simple answers rather than keep searching. I would say the answer is right in front of us. The answer is right in front of us, and we give God glory. You know, I've never seen the maker of a watch, never met one. Uh, probably haven't met that many architects in my life. Probably, I, I don't know how many authors I've met, but haven't met most of them. But I don't need to meet them. I don't need to meet an architect to realize buildings are designed. I don't need to meet a watchmaker to know that watches are made. I don't need to meet the, you know, Steve Jobs or someone, um, Tim Cook or someone out in Apple to realize that that didn't just happen by chance. And you don't need to you don't need to see God or go discover or research God to know that he must be there. You do need to seek him to find him. And this comes down to those, those who accuse us, the God of the gaps, of going too quickly to God. Well, the real problem is they're too slow to go to God. They're convinced that when the answer is obviously God, what are they going to do? They're going to look elsewhere. They will look anywhere but the obvious. Why? Because sometimes a search for truth is not just a matter of the mind. It's a matter of the heart. It's a willingness to be humble. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, he said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou dost hide these things from the wise and intelligent, and you revealed them to babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in your sight. God, God reveals things to those who come to him with a simple faith, a childlike faith, a trust. To those who come to him with arrogance, the wise, the intelligence, the know-it-alls, the people who, you know, have no need of God. No, God in his mercy might humble them and show them as he did Job and Job's friends. But God reveals things to the humble. My friends, let's you and I be humble people. Let's you and I never be intimidated by the, the know-it-alls of the world who think they don't need God, when in reality, what are they doing? They're running from God. They're running from God. All truth comes from God. From Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. The ungodly and unrighteous suppress the truth, not by their superior intellect, but by their unrighteousness. You and I are engaged in a great battle of ideas in our culture, in our world, in America, in our families, in our personal lives, 
in our churches. We are engaged in a battle of ideas. What will people believe? In what will they place their faith? Our, I contend the wisest people place their faith in the living God. I contend Christianity is a religion for thinking people. I contend we have good answers. But the answers lead to God because from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. I would contend that the skeptics, and those who are committed to a naturalistic evolution, they don't have the best answers. And for some reason, they have a tremendous lack of curiosity when the answers are obviously pointing to God. They just have the attitude, well, we'll know someday or we're okay with not knowing. God gave us curiosity. That curiosity should lead us to Him. The truth comes from Him. From Him, through Him, to Him are all things. Father in heaven, we give you praise today. You are, you're not the God of the gaps. You're the God of reality. You're the God of life. You're the creator. All things came into being through you. And apart from you, nothing has come into being that has come into being. We give you praise. We thank you that as we humble ourselves before you, as we walk in the truth, as we walk uprightly, you reveal secrets to us. You reveal things that natural man could never know. And indeed, the wisdom you give us makes foolish the wisdom of the world. And so we thank you. We bless you. We proclaim it. We live it. We declare it. We believe it. From you, through you, and to you are all things. You are the truth. You are the life. You are the one who makes sense of life. Father, today we don't run from you. We embrace you. We embrace you. We walk in your ways. We believe in you. We thank you that you will lead us always in your great victory. Thank you. We pray today, Father, that your truth would prevail. Oh, how we'd ask in our education systems. Your truth would prevail. It grieves us, Lord, to see generations of youth being educated and trained to think in ways as if you're not there. When all truth really comes from you, Help us, Father, to believe this ourselves and to articulate it and say it to our children and our grandchildren. Lord, raise up great ministries that can make these arguments and, and are persuasive in leading people to, the, to faith in Christ. We thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you with all of our heart, our Creator who is worthy of praise, honor, and glory for now and forever. We're not intimidated by skeptics. We're not intimidated by the intellectuals. We're not intimidated we, 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 by those who say, stay off our turf, that believe they own the world of science. We thank you. You are the maker of it. This is your turf. And we bless you as being the Lord of all. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining with me today. I've loved doing this. I put a little poll up there and asked if you've enjoyed these or not. Uh, and so if you want to vote on that poll, make sure you do so over there in the chat if you've enjoyed these talks on the creation-evolution debate. There's a lot more I could say, but I'm probably going to move on before long um, to some other topics. But boy, we've got the truth. 
It's so wonderful to stand in it and to be encouraged in it. Be encouraged today. Be courageous today. Be strong in the Lord this day. It's our day. It's the day the Lord's made. He's given it as a gift to us. Amen. So make sure you come back. We're here every morning, 830. If you can't make it live, watch later in the day or catch the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. And uh, uh, tell your friends. Share this with others. And make sure that we're passing the word. Make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, and like the video. Okay? God bless you. Love you guys. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye-bye.